Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, my name's Nick. Hello, I'm Wolgie. We are the Mouth of Manliness. This is a podcast all about uh, mental health. But it's not just mental health. Um, it's kind of about people's lives and about uh, how they cope and how they manage in the world. Yeah, and digging into the stories that make them who they are. Yeah, so it's real life stories um, where we talk about things that people have been through and how they've managed and how they've coped and how they've come out the other side. So sometimes it's just me and Wargy here, but more often than not we're talking to guests, uh, sometimes more well-known guests, but more often than anything it's um, just normal people who have been through um, interesting situations. Yeah, and they've all got a lovely story to tell. Yeah, so mouth and manliness, we are about mental health, but we're more about people and stories. So, welcome to the mouth. The mouth of manliness. Welcome to the Mouth of Manliness. For those who don't know, um, I've got Wergie sitting next to me, and every time I go to say welcome to the Mouth of Manliness, he's always like, sit back, sit back, it's too loud, it's so, too loud. It's just the, the audio engineer in me that's like, it distorts, and it's quite a nice distortion actually, because yeah. your voice does sound good with it, uh, but do you know what I mean? I'm just, just bringing the production kind. levels in. Anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it, if you listen to the last season, um, one of our best episodes of the last season was um, when we talked about mindfulness, um, and a lot of people seem to get a lot out of that. And I have stayed in touch with Ashley, and he is with us again, our mindfulness guru. Hello, good evening. Nice to be back. Thank you for having me again. What you can't see uh, through hearing is how amazing Ashley's teeth look. Look at them. <laughs> you know what? Everyone keeps telling me how tanned I look and they keep saying, Ashley, have you secretly been on a beach somewhere? I'm going, no, it's an optical illusion. I've just yeah. got my, my screen and my camera by the window. Yeah, and it yeah. seems to bring out my colouring perfectly. So I've got quite olive skin and everyone then goes, oh, your teeth are very white. And I can say... I can assure you I've not whitened them either. It's just an optical illusion. Uh, you, just naturally well, handsome, I'm yeah. Well. So good, yeah. <laughs> well. I'm going to get mine done. I'll tell you what, if I, feel, if I come in with some money, I'm going to get them done. I'm going to get them properly veneered. My teeth really piss me off. Do they? Yeah. <laughs> you know what that is? Uh, that is years and years of smoking and drinking. Yep. Uh, and... I went through a period of abusing painkillers. Oh, right. Blimey. And uh, because it's uh, it's basically an opiate, it's like a, yeah, a proper drug. 
and um, they fuck your teeth up. So you know, like you, you normally <laughs> see any kind of heroin, you yeah, just of course, got really bad teeth. Hmm. Ta-da! <laughs> I wish I had done everything that, now. Have you ever seen the episode of The Simpsons and they opened this book and it's called The British yeah. Book of Smiles? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I tell you what, I used to work with this, uh, with Cara, this, she's from Boston, and she would brush her teeth four or five times a day at work. Really? Yeah. And uh, like, it's slightly teeth. obsessive, but no, but she says like that's just how they do it in America. They really look after their teeth because yeah. they pay a lot of money. They really look after them. Yeah, fair. I think we like, can definitely yeah. learn a tool. I must admit, I think probably brushing that much is probably excessive. My cousin who's mm. a dentist would probably tell you off. Yeah. Um, so Claire, if you're listening, I'm I'm bigging up the dentistry here, saying twice a day of a good brushing is probably enough. But but we're, I'm conscious that we're going way off. It's part of well being. It's part of well being, isn't it? It like, is. It is. Certainly. I was funnily enough, I was having a conversation today with some people at work, and uh, they were talking about um, seeing a hypnotherapist for weight. And um, mm-hmm. like I saw a hypnotherapist for ages, and I do know that I know people who he's really worked with. And then we just got into this really kind of heavy conversation about uh, how, you know, like some people would see that as a massive extravagance, or like you might get Botox or something, and they'll yeah. see it as a massive extravagance. But it's like, it's not about how you look, it's about how you feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we really mm-hmm. kind of went into that. Like, I've had a hair transplant, Ash. And um, it's coming through well, man. And it's like, it's amazing. Uh, I, I was looking at, it. Blah. it's nearly, very nearly two years since we started this podcast and I was watching videos of the, mm. of the first ones and I, my like, parting's really up high. Mm. So now I'm like, yes, I'm going to get it all done. So, um, but... Before we started, we had a bit of a chat, didn't we, online about what we were going to talk about. Um, so we, we, I wanted to kind of still have some elephant, element, elephants of mindfulness. <laughs> elephants in the room. I just felt like if we have you on and we don't get mindfulness in there, then it's a real wasted opportunity. Oh, absolutely. We can still talk a bit more about mindfulness. We can definitely talk a bit about mindfulness. I think we were also going to talk a bit more about kind of like some of the diversity, equity and inclusion work I've done, especially around kind of like L- the LGBT plus community. Yep. So I think we were going to maybe maybe, yeah. maybe explore those two angles. Yep, definitely. That's, that's what I want to do. Perfect. So what was it? So why was that something that was important to you then? Why was that? I think for me, I think the LGBT plus thing's always been special for me, uh, I think because well, I am a gay man. And I think for me, you know, it's, the whole process of being okay with your sexuality. And I think, you know, I grew up, I was born in the seventies, grew up, you know, cut my teeth during the eighties. The and, you know, we had all that bit of really egregious Margaret Thatcher legislation, oh, yeah. section mm. 28. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I was, I, I trained as a teacher back in the day and under section 28 of the local authorities act, Thatcher put in this really awful clause, which basically said, if you were gay and, there was a pupil who might come up to you and talk about thinking that they might be lesbian, gay or bisexual. Uh, I could be in breach of that law and could lose my job. You know, and I you know, didn't know about that. No, so I didn't know I about watched, that. Um, horrific. What was the show? Uh, it's a Sin. Mm. I watched that. It was really, really good. And I've always thought I'm pretty cool with things. Um, 
but I genuinely didn't know that. I mean, I knew about the AIDS crisis and everything, but I didn't know about that law. Yeah, and, it's and Section 28 of the Local Authorities Act was what actually galvanised and created Stonewall, the LGBT right. yeah, yeah, yeah. plus um, equality kind of charity who've done mm. really, you know, have done so much pioneering work in this in this country to help LGBT plus people. Um, so a massive shout out to them. I've, I've done a lot of work with them over the last few years. Mm. I was very privileged. I, I, I kind of got a place on one of their um, leadership courses that was back a few years ago now. And it was really, really, um, it was really good for me. It was all around authentic leadership that when we, that we can be our true selves when we're at work. Yeah. And in fact, not mm. just at work, but whenever we meet people, we can be our true selves. We don't need to, hiding away bits of who you are can very often lead to some elements of, me of, of mental dysfunction. Yeah, of course. And if we can't, you know, say, this is who I think I am, this is how I identify who, that I, what I am. And, you know, there's a lot of discussion around how people identify in terms of gender yeah. and gender fluidity at the moment. Mm -hmm. And it, I think there is that sense, for, certainly for me, is having that, that lived experience that actually it's okay and it's cool to be who I am. Yeah. And I'm gay. And I know yeah. that there's other people out there who might still be coming to realizations because sexuality, I think the, I think it's fair to say a common consensus is that it, sexuality can be, um, for use of a better term, fluid. Um, <laughs> it, can, it can change and evolve. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't want to get too carry on too for now for now. Otherwise, but we'll go off and not kind of stay. <laughs> but, but you, you, you know what I mean? And yeah. I kind of think it's really important that there's been such a sea change in society. Yeah. And how now we are much, much more accepting of who we are. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, growing up, there was this, certainly this preconception that to, to, to be, to not be straight, to not be heterosexual, mm. there was something a bit wrong. There was something deviant about you. Mm. And, you know, look at how far we've come in yeah. the last 20, 30 years. Mm. Um, but certainly for me, at, I remember... I remember I came out when I was doing my undergraduate, when I was doing my undergraduate years, when I was doing my degree. But when I went to train to do my PGC, to train to be a teacher, I remember going back in the closet. And I just thought, well, this is really? just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, so I did, my, I did my degree at Southampton, then I went on to Cambridge to do my PGC. And I just thought, the irony was, I was at one of these top-class universities that actually, the irony was, they had the biggest LGBT community, obviously, <laughs> in Cambridge. Right, yeah, yeah. People used to quit that it was because the amount of people that came from public school and all the manner of shenanigans yeah. they used to get up there. Right. <laughs> no, I, I won't be commenting on that. No, I, no, I, no, I know no, no. Really, I know a gay man who went to Cambridge and uh, I have... Yes, but but that was fair. the irony that I, I basically <laughs> ended up kind of going back in, back, in the, back in the closet because I knew that I was going to be a teacher and those kind of things... How um, damaging those kind is of that, things though? You've, you've weren't just, really accepted. You've it had just been be, through it. And I just think as a person of integrity, that's what caused me, caused me massive anxiety, caused me to get kind of, caused me to re have really bad anxiety. That manifested itself with really bad sleep issues. Yeah. Um, and it made me really, really actually physically ill. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it took a long, long time actually to work through it. I then went to live in Italy, taught in Italy, came back, and then did some counselling and therapy. And then came out to my friends and my, my, my parents, because a lot of my friends knew by that point I was in my mid-twenties. And that was instrumental in me then kind of rebuilding myself and coming back to be okay. Mm. And, you know, and since then it's literally been building on that. Yeah. But it was very interesting. When I went on that LGBT leadership program that um, 
the Stonewall ran, I had to reminisce and go back. It was a bit therapeutic and I had to go back and relive that. But for me, it was like, I don't want to see any other teachers or pupils or people involved with education having to hide who they are because it is so destructive. Mm. And, you know, and I think Stonewall have done such brilliant work with helping, you know, really helping people to kind of be able to come out, to be who they are, to support them, whether that's, you know, either lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, any of those, any of those things that come onto the LGBT plus umbrella. Mm. And I think it's so good, but there still is bullying at school. Yeah. We, we know that exists. And I think it's only by having these open conversations, it's only by being open and talking about it and challenging those things. I mean, I remember, I had even heard people say up until recently as a throwaway comment, oh, that's a bit gay. Yeah, uh, you I know, was, like, I I, my, um, my daughter said it. Yeah. As in, you know, something that's bad, that's gay. And I'm like, do you know what you're saying? Yeah. That's really out of order. And, um, and then my son who's like three years younger and has got autism, was like, oh, so-and-so in the cartoon he likes his guy and that's his favourite character. He's like, that's well good. <laughs> and it, I'm like, that's pretty, amazes- yeah, that's quite good that, you know, cartoons and things like that because they're shit. Yeah, of course. I, I, I think it's it's been, um, like I went to school in East London and I moved schools uh, to a little bit further out in Dagenham. Yeah. And, I went from like, when I started my education, it was around a very multicultural society with lots of different types of people. Mm. And I think education, this sort of social education was a little bit more diverse. And therefore yeah. people that you saw or things that you did and, or even like, I don't know, like st- stuff. In, and my point being that when I moved to a different type of area that was predominantly a poor white ca- council estate sort of area, I guess, um, and therefore, anyone that was remotely different, like, I mean, bullying in school was so epic. Like, yeah. I mean, and I, I remember sort of being almost sort of shocked and horrified by the, the, the terms and the language that people used anyway at that point. I was, I was brought up to sort of be very inclusive and very accepting of a lot of different types of people. I'm very, very fortunate in that. And I do believe that. But, like, that, that term of, like, saying someone, oh, that's gay, that, that, I rem- that, that was from from when I was in junior school or whatever yeah. and hear it and then and that being quite like ushered over and dismissed and then throughout life as you get older I mean I still hear I'm 37 I still hear fucking adults in the street referring to each other in a pissed up joke away like as a negative thing and it's like on the flip side of that youth culture people that have embraced their confidence in their own sexuality are so like beautifully yeah. open and diverse yeah, yeah. And, and fluid mm. it's like they can learn a lot like, I don't know. Like, yeah, there's a ge- generational gaps and then excuses for then their behaviour, I think, is... You, it is it, it, it's like you say, it, it's, it's good to see how things have changed. Yes. It's good yeah, to see yeah, how things have changed. changed. And it's yeah, good to see that, we're, that we are, you know, moving towards bit by bit. And, you know, I mean, actually, when I say moving towards, the vast majority of people I meet, I've never heard anything pejorative. And, 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 yeah. and if I've heard someone use gay as in a put-down kind of way, I've just said, can I invite you to think about that? Yeah. Because good. I don't think you mean it quite like that. Yeah. No. no. Um, and it's really important. But And some people just almost, they hear themselves going to say it and yeah. they check themselves, <laughs> you know, because it's one of those things that you've grown up with. Yeah. And, you know, and even inside the LGBT community, we ourselves can, can be prejudiced to one another. Oh, and then the other thing is that, oh, my, but he's okay because he's quite a butch gay. Not like, <laughs> not like, the, not like that one. He's quite <laughs> camp. And it's like, yeah. actually, wait a minute. Yeah. Even if he's a camp man, 
he's doesn't. still okay. It's yeah. just like, let's just come and accept people yeah. as they are. Yeah. And I think this is where I suppose there's a nice intersection between the LGBT bit and mindfulness. Yeah, that's very true. A lot of the mindfulness practice that we we try to do, a big part of the characteristics that we develop in mindfulness is around about being non-judgmental. Mm. Is about just coming and just seeing that the other person in front of you is just another human being yeah. and that you're actually letting go of all of our kind of natural biases. We all, as, as, as a species, have survived all these years because we have kind of, we, we look out for anything that might be a threat yeah. to our existence. But the trouble is, if you've grown up in a particular community and you haven't met and had lots of chance to meet lots of different people from all different walks of life, creed, colours, sexual orientation, ability, gender, etc., etc., you can end up maybe not have, having had that exposure. Yeah. But the good thing is when you do things like mindfulness practice, it really helps kind of just say, do you know what? I'm just going to come to whoever I meet from whatever walk of life they come from mm. and just say, they're another fellow human being. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes check, but sometimes know that actually we all have our own inherent biases. Yeah, of course. And it's just to stop and have a pause a minute and go, well, wait a minute, perhaps I'm deliberately actually... I'm not yeah. being completely open-minded here. Yeah. And that's my invite to everyone to just say, mm. just have that pause and just check your own kind of mm. thinking. Mm. And then it allows you to come, I think, with a more open mind. And I think it is having that open-mindedness, having that non-judgmentality. Mm. And that's why I'm a big, a big fan of mindfulness, not just because it's helped me, as we talked last time, Nick, about how it's helped me deal yeah. with my mm. black dog, which was actually um, not depression, but anxiety. Mm. Yeah. But it's also just been good, I think, generally, how I've changed my outlook on life per se. Yeah, yeah it brings you in, doesn't it? It, it brings you in and um, you, uh, it makes you kind of be present. Um, and I think that your intersection there was very good because um, if you're judging people, that's like a, a, a negative way mm. of thinking anyway. And that that negativity like sits in you, doesn't it? And do you, do you if you're mindful, then you're you just don't have that same negative approach no. to things. Do, do, do you think it comes from fear, like people's lack of uh, the ability of, of like fear of the unknown, and therefore, because I, I often find that people tend to be quite scared of things that they don't know much about, right? So, and that is that is ex exploration of like it could be. I mean, it, it goes back to sort of like again childhood i think on something like as as base as like you, you're into a certain type of music for example and anyone else that says they like something else you're like no it's fucking shit and, and <laughs> this is the best thing in the world so if you if that childish mentality is then is then sort of spread across your social yeah. interactions and therefore because like you're scared of of admitting potentially that you like something else or you're open to something else it therefore puts fear in you because you don't know about it or and i don't know like people tend to be very overly judgmental when they're scared i find i i, I, I always you know. come back to um you know like uh quite often you'll find um so the massive debate about uh people and you know transgender and, and gender fluidity like that seems to really rile people. Oh, it does yeah and yeah. i'm like why why do you care why do, how does that impact on you? And they're like, toilets. And you're like, mm. well, you're just going to the toilet. It's not like you're hanging out in there. And like, if you, you know, especially women, I'm like, well, you're all going to cubicles. You know, like, where, why is, why is that such a threat? And, but then, but then I think 
but then, I, you know, maybe there's also the bit about women feeling um, threatened by men. Oh, yeah, of course. Which I think, only I th- just I think the thing me. is, with, with the whole idea about gender and identity and that sense that people, although, you know, I, I work with a lot of, I work with a whole variety of different people. And when we introduce ourselves, certainly at work and we're on a call, we'll, we'll share the pronouns we like to use. Yeah. And I'm, so, I'm quite happy, happy if you chuck male pronouns at me. But I know other people who might say, actually, I much prefer more neutral, like you can call me they. Yeah, maybe and it's I a go, fear of getting cool it wrong me. as well. Yeah, I know yes. there's a lot of people, because that challenges the orthodoxy, we've not grown up that way. We grew up with a sense of boy and girl, and it was black and white, and that's the way it was. Mm. Now I think things, we accept that people are more complex than that, yeah. and that um, sexuality and gender and how you identify is a complex thing and can mm. change over time. And I kind of think it's just to ask people to be, just to, to come and to accept someone however they are. Yeah. And yeah. That's, that's not easy. And I think it goes, it goes back to your, the, the other point you were saying, a bit about fear, that when we come across something that we don't know mm. or someone we haven't met or a, whether that be someone of a different sexual orientation, a different skin colour, a different religion... We're like, oh, not sure about that, and, you know. And, and we come with all those preconceived notions That's that we might have grown up from our own community and whatever. All of those things input into our kind of our conditioning. And I suppose what mindfulness asks us to do is through our practice, you know, not just through the meditations, but actually through these kind of mindsets, which is a more open mindset, which is non-judging and being open and curious hmm. and coming with a sense of gratitude and joy and whatever it allows you to kind of calm down some of those inherent biases that we all have. And I kind of think that a lot of those do exist because it's part of our survival mechanism. Yeah. That when we encounter, you know, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago when we were evolving as a species and, you know, our, our prehistoric ancestors were roaming the savannah and they would see a saber-toothed, they would see a saber-toothed tiger on the horizon, the, the, the flight or fight mechanism would kick in. Yeah. To make sure that they they could peg it out there before they became lunch or a different person hmm. yeah if they encountered a different tribe or something it would be there well, but that mechanism that mechanism yeah. that helped us survive that bit yeah. of the brain the amygdala that fires off that yeah. flight or fight response in in the middle of the limbic brain and that helped keep us surviving also fires in in different ways still in modern day society yep. like if i'm stressed and a gazillion emails are coming at me it can still fire off the flight or fight mechanism. Mm. If I'm in a situation where I might be encountering a load of people who I've never seen before, or I might feel nervous doing a presentation, or I'm slightly out of my comfort zone because I'm somewhere different, the same old mechanisms, prehistoric mechanisms, can kick in. And they have a positive role to look after us and protect us and help us survive as a species. But when they're not checked, they can also be very negative. Mm. They can keep us in very anxious or depressed loops. They can actually fuel biases and prejudice. And that's why when we said about what can we talk about this evening, I said it would be really good to look at the, the fusion or intersection, actually, of things around mindfulness and how it can help us have a more open mindset, mm. but particularly around kind of diversity, equity and inclusion, which I am very involved in in lots of things in work, but especially around LGBT plus, um, the LGBT plus community. Um, so for me, it's, it's something that takes time and effort. To actually break down prejudice actually starts with ourselves and it starts with ourselves actually giving ourselves some time out, time out to understand the workings of our our own mind and then to see how 
you know, we've survived all these millions of years because hundreds of thousands of years rather, because we make split second by second judgments and all the sensory data coming to yeah. us to work out whether it's a threat or not. Mm. Now, very often, most of us live in relatively peaceful uh, kind of communities. Now, obviously, everything's been disrupted massively in the last year because we've had this pandemic to deal with. And so that, that has raised all of pretty much humanity's sense of level of threat. Yeah, it has. And then that's raised the activity in and around the limbic brain, the bit that is responsible for flight or fight, going, crikey, there's something going on here. I need to protect myself and look after yep. myself. But the mental health aspect of that is that when we're constantly primed to look for kind of a potential threat, yeah. we're constantly having more cortisol and adrenaline fired off from the mechanisms in the limbic brain to prepare us to deal mm. with it, which makes us more touchy, which makes us more anxious yeah. and affects mood and so on and so forth. So now more than ever, I think that's why having come through what has been, let's face it, a very difficult 12 or so months, mm. really in focusing in on practices that can help increase our mental health and well-being, improve it, are so, so vital. Not just, not just to help us deal with the pandemic, but just as a society, as how we can go forward. Yeah. And I think the other thing is that's happened in the last year, because it's not... The other important thing, I think, is to not, a lot of people frame it completely negatively, like coronavirus and the pandemic has been utterly shit. And I'm not saying that for a minute that it hasn't. Let's be honest, it freaking well has been. You know, I, I lost last year three relatives that I would say that were the collateral damage of, of coronavirus. They weren't directly related, but they were in part related to it. And it's been, and you know, this is one story of many, a lot of suffering that people go through. But there have equally been positives that have come from it. That, that you know, to see how people have come together, all the brilliant work that scientists have done to come up with the vaccines, all the the brilliant work that the medics have done, like in the NHS, you know, here in the UK, has just been fantastic. We've come together, but also look at like webinar technology. We're able to connect yeah. with people all around the world with these kind of online technologies that actually help break down barriers and bring and, people yeah, together. Yeah, people's yep. like work-life balance, that kind of thing. There's been this idea that, hold on, maybe we don't all need to traipse into the office every day mm. and uh, maybe we can be at home and, you know, we can check in with our kids or whatever and just generally have a better balance. We don't need to be kind of flogging ourselves because actually mm. everything has still carried on. Yeah. We've talked about this quite a bit. Like we've we've had really productive lockdown, you know. Yeah. Like I, I've, yeah, we've done it's, loads and loads this lockdown, and th it's I actually think it's, been quite a positive thing. And yeah, I mean, like we've kind of made friends through this, haven't we? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I my, the, the lockdown brought um, Nick and I like geographically really close to one. Yeah. I, I was meant to move to London from uh, from Leon C. And uh, that fell through because the guy I was meant to move into his apartment, he couldn't go to Germany. And then I ended up being at my mum's and there was a whole family situation there. And then I ended up being literally walking distance from Nick and had him work, having worked with him. And we sort of, when, when the restrictions in that midpoint, when it, it got like kind of, it went down yeah. a bit, 
uh, we we linked up and we were creative and made music and you know and it's like we write, we've we've written a record mental health as well, and, and that but that's the thing like and so, so the positives in that situation have been like well if you're able to do something a lot of people I know in creative and uh, or, or you know or, or, in, or heavily into fitness have, have put their energies into that and therefore come out with something extra that they wouldn't have had as a result yeah. of it and yeah. I mean like my anxiety was like epically through the roof at the start of lockdown I'd say mm. like I mean I, I Nick likes to sort of describe me as a uh, chaotic. I think is, yeah, is the way yeah, I work. Yeah, like a clenched fist. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good. Uh, <laughs> a good description. Going like that. Yeah. All over the place. Yeah, but then, but then there's that. The, the, there's obviously lots of stuff that feeds into that, and it's it's been lots of like relationship issues, and that again because of lockdown they have changed, and family issues. Uh, I've got children I couldn't see, and and that was all actually put into positive energy. Like via us creating, and I, I I do other music and bits and bobs, and making a conscious decision to do that, and actually waking up and going, it's going to be all right. Actually, I've got the right support that I need. I've I've, I've made some really really good strong friends as well, and it, from mm. from phone calls and like people that I missed in the pub that then became like some of my closest friends now. Yeah, that we had each yeah, other's yeah. numbers, and now we're like we ended up really talking, like really yes. talking, and it wasn't just that- pissed up. I you know, call that the crew, having the crew. I think over the last yeah. year, it's yeah. have you had your crew? Have yeah. you got your crew? Yeah. And then working out who are those people you can go to. Mm-hmm. And obviously, a lot of the time, it's not that you can physically go to people, but who can you get on the phone? Who can yeah. you have on a quick you know, Zoom call that you can just say, you know, I'm just feeling a bit crap today. Yeah. And to come in with that and just say, we're here for one another. And I think yeah. it has helped bond. It's quite special, bring people it? together but equally mm. like you guys were saying you've able the time that you've had that you might not ordinarily because you might be going here there and everywhere and yeah i'm into the pub and whatnot you've actually said well, i've got some time on my hands actually mm. actually what can i do what hobbies have i got what creative outlets have i got and i know obviously i, I knew nick had his music because i, I we're, we're making it on facebook now so i see his posts <laughs> yeah, and yeah I see everything about his guitars yeah, and, yeah, but yeah also yeah. his art yeah. yeah exactly and i think Fantastic. It's those things, and I've, I've loved seeing kind of Nick Nick sharing his art on on Facebook, yeah, and whatever. Too. And it's kind of a fusion of like metalhead meets um, Pablo Picasso, isn't it? It's yeah, kind of like yeah, that. 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 Yeah. yeah, nice. I'd take that. It's great, yeah. mate. <laughs> but that's how we got. That's how we become like again because of we knew each other through the podcast thing initially. Yeah. Like I knew Brad, who was on on this podcast, and and I know yourself. And then I was enamoured with his his artwork. So yeah. it's it's been a pleasure to sort of be creative with with him in that respect too, and that yeah, that I helps think build it, it friendships, shows man. Also, that um, like we can use the tools we have, mm. you know. So social media um, can be really negative; it can make you really anxious, but you can choose not to look at that. Mm. But you can feel connected to people who you want to be connected to, yeah, uh, because we have that in our gift, and it's like. Um, because we've had that kind of everything stop, we've had to use technology to do zooms and do that kind of thing, and and like you, it you can make it work rather than like we we weren't we didn't have the gift to be sceptical. We had to do, mm. and sometimes that's really helpful. Sometimes you, yeah. when you've just got to do it, you actually get past all those scepticisms and all the things that your brain's telling you not to do mm. and you get on with it you figure out how to use the computer you know it's like yeah. you're seeing lots of older people who are like zooming now and you and you just think that's brilliant because they probably would have been too anxious to do it before yeah and gone no i can't do it 
Yeah, and that's what I was meaning about how actually it's helped, you know, maybe in many respects, although we've not physically been able to see each other. And, that, and let's face fact, that is difficult. I think it's important that we, we don't go in with two rose, you know, a, a rose-tinted view and say, actually, let's just acknowledge yeah. that there's a lot of people and all, you know, all three of us on, on this call today, I think we've all had our difficulties. We've all had to confront our demons. Mm-hmm. We've all had our black moments, our dark days when things have felt really crap, when you just kind of think, is this ever going to end? But at the same time, you know, we've been able to sit back and go, okay, so this is the way it is going to be for a while now. What can I do? I've got a response. I have a cho- I have po- the choice. I have the possibility that there's a different way of reframing this. And for you, it might have been that it's brought you two together to produce more of this. Mm. It's been like you've had a more kind of musical outlet or and your art. Mm. For me, it's been actually, I the, the last lockdown, has actually for me been hyper beneficial because I've actually, I'm in the process of selling my, I've sold my house, I'm moving. And those last three months have been completely consumed by that. If it wasn't yeah. for the lockdown, I, don't, I think I would have had major FOMO because all my mm-hmm. mates would have been out and I've been going, I've not got the time to come out. I've got all this house stuff. Yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah. 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 It's a welcome distraction. Where are you, yeah. right, where yeah. are you staying? Around where you're Cambridge way, aren't you? Oxford, Oxford, yeah. So I'm gonna oh. be I'm gonna be staying around here, going going to London temporarily while all that kind of house thing comes back together. But um yeah, one of the one of the things I've had to learn, if anyone's gone through the whole the joy that is house buying and selling in England is the most precarious Wow, I tell you that tests anyone's sense of mental health because up until the point that you exchange contracts you um there's nothing legally binding and anyone no. can pull out at any moment yeah and if anything's going to exacerbate your anxiety yeah, it's that it's stressful, but there comes a certain point where you have to go have i done as much as i can do yeah mm. and then i have to stay it's that sphere of influence you know what do i have control over and what yeah. do i have to let go of have you ever heard of the serenity mantra or the serenity prayer grant me the courage to change the things i can the serenity to change the things i can't and the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah. And that has been, yeah. I've almost needed to print that out and just have that yeah. by yeah. and yeah. remind myself of that. Like, what are the things I can change easily? What are the things I can't and just accept them and know the difference between the two? And that's, I think, is what helped, has definitely helped me alongside my mindfulness practice keep sane in the last, over the last year, but especially in the last three months with the whole joy of house buying and selling. Mm. I think, um, yeah, I, that, serenity thing is, is so true I, I find myself saying it all the time but I say it as in you can only control two things you can control what you do and what you think and essentially it's like well, talking about lockdown it's like you can decide you can either it can be the end of the world and you can like fight 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 against it or you can go is what it is what can I do within yeah. out the confines that I have to make myself feel better. Mm. Um, mm. I wanted to go back to something which um, which I which I find quite interesting. So you know we were talking about like you saying uh, when you lived in London, the people were um, more open minded in many ways. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. And I, I, I comparatively often, to my experience, but yeah, I often say to people that like I when I was I always gone to London a lot from quite a young age my parents were pretty cool and um I always felt safer in London yeah and I did walk in the streets around Essex mm. 
because in Essex, it, like I had long hair, uh, like they they've called me a metalhead or a grunger, and it, you know, you're you're five, you know, five seconds away from getting a pasting, and I did get a few, but you go to London and no one gives a shit. No, no one's that. Like it's just you know people's attitudes are completely different, and I always really loved that. And um, and then I started thinking that actually a lot of the gay people I know went to London, mm. or they went to a city, mm. but mostly to London. And I wonder if that's because of that, um, because you're more likely to meet similar people and be more likely to have acceptance. So interestingly, for on that point, so t- two of my dearest friends, and um, I hope they do listen to this podcast as they should do. Uh, uh, two two Norwegian fellows that um, uh, my be- two of my best friends were Christian and Christian, uh, slightly different spellings, um, and their experience. They're from Oslo, um, and they lived in Norway and worked in Norway with another friend of theirs and now mine, obviously Edvard, and uh, they had a horrific time in London as gay men, <laughs> um, essentially because they felt they they felt that there was a lot of a lot of um, negativity going on around the scene that they were part of, and uh, I mean, I'm sure they won't mind me like quote paraphrasing, quoting, quoting direct, not indirectly, whatever. Um, and 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 that and that was because they they were obviously like around Old Compton in in Soho, um, and sort of the the they were they felt almost ostracised in certain situations. Was my understanding of that? What within and the gay within within the, within the gay the, the, the gay community? Yeah, as oh. as and and some from from what from what I like the stories they tell me of some like quite harsh stories of people as well not really being accepted within their own community as well. Yeah, but that and, goes to show that you can in like there's wankers in everywhere. Well, of in course everywhere. there is. Yeah, I mean it doesn't matter. I was, yeah. was going to I was going to several yeah. reflections. I think number one probably why are, why do you get more LGBT people probably in bigger cities? I think oh, yeah. you know I remember when I did A level geography we, we we talked very much about you know, patterns of kind of people moving and kind of migration and people moving around. I think cities have always been really big mixing pots of diverse cultures of lots of people coming and going. And I think there has been that security Mm. for the LGBT community in that because there's just such a sheer volume of people. It's possible to be whoever you want to be in a big city because you'll be able, you know, birds of a feather will flock together. And people have been able to group themselves together. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you're in a small town or a village... Yeah, um, you remember Little Britain and the, yeah, uh, no, the, yeah. the village, you know, and, it, and and there was that sense that if you grew up, you could be labelled and you could be very much like that, you know, yeah. that person, but face all manner of prejudice and discrimination because of that. Now, obviously, it's been great at bringing people together. And I think, as, as you talked about earlier, Nick, you, you said about um, that Channel 4 programme, it's a sin. And that very yeah. much showed mm. how people were coming together, moving to Manchester at the time, back in the 80s, yeah, coming together. Yeah. And then, of course, then we had the travesty of the, the you know, the, the HIV, the AIDS pandemic, which, you know, that would be another another podcast another time. Yeah. So, I mean, but that sense that cities could provide protection and could provide a mixing pot in one on one respect is really good. Mm. But then to talk to your other point, it made me t- uh, think about this brilliant book here by um, Matthew Todd. I think it was I think he was he, he was the ex-editor of attitude magazine which was the uk's um, leading gay magazine Mm -hmm. and he wrote a book called straight jacket how to be gay and happy and he talks a lot about your point which was the the prejudice and discrimination within the lgbt plus community Mm. that that because 
a lot of gay LGBT people have grown up with this sense of actually not being able to fully come out because they were so worried that they've grown up with their own set of prejudices and then they, they can internalise some of that own dislike and put it onto other people. Yeah. yeah. And, exactly and, and it can, if people don't address their own issues, yeah. it can end up becoming quite toxic. And because there has been... Um, because the LGBT community has faced so much discrimination, a lot of that's been internalised by us individually, and therefore it can sometimes, unfortunately, be, be turned against other members of the same community. Exactly. Yeah. Which yeah. is, I think, what your friends experienced. Yeah, and and, and I, I mean, I and, and I say very fortunate. I've been very fortunate to sort of experience like some of the uh, places some of my best nights out. Quite frankly, as a as a kid learning about music. Was in gay clubs around. I've got like Madam Jojo's a few nights that didn't have the indie night on, and it was like disco and like electronic sort of even some cheesy disco stuff that opened my eyes. And I, I was like in a punk band, right? And yeah. it's like, and again, sexuality to me has always been a really interesting way of exploration. Like I've never, I've always sort of said, I've said this on the podcast a few times actually. But if I was in a situation where a person, regardless of gender, whatever else, I was. I was amazed and enamoured by them. I would never stop myself from my own, from whatever my sexuality is. I consider myself straight, but say it wasn't. Say, say, it, I didn't, un, I haven't explored it yet. I would never stop myself. And I was, I've, I've always thought since I was a teenager. And a lot of it is because I think, like, I find, I think love is a, is a, a big part of my life. And therefore, like, my relationships with people, regardless of their sexuality, is, is based on that. And, and, and seeing people just have fun in, alongside, what would be considered quite stereotypical like types of music and clubs but but i always found a lot of fun and community and, and yeah. gang mentality which i then which i then linked to punk communities and alternative music communities and because it's like it's uh, it, it was uh, i've always found a, a very positive experience it's an outsider thing isn't it it's like yeah um ish it's and, and, about, and that's changed in I, a very good way i've always felt with. because of my mental health issues i've always felt separate and like an outsider yeah which um and i've never felt um that i was good enough as a man so um i and i think that uh can it gives me some insight into feeling mm. separate and different but what it also does is it kind of going back to what you said at the beginning that was that um when when you can't be yourself and you've got to hide this part of yourself, mm. um, it it makes you really ill, and mm. that's what I it's I mm. had to hide I be the clown hide what's actually going on inside, um, and for them getting home and being exhausted um, because I and it, and breaking down because it's like yeah oh, this is who I really am and I can't be who I am yeah and, yeah. And then I like, and I, I do use the term that when I started this podcast, I came out as being mental. You know, like it was, I I got a mental health problem, and I'm mm. not gonna, I'm not gonna be ashamed of it anymore. Yeah. Um, but that's so much harder because, like that, that is, you know, gonna be in many. Like, it's still a fucking ridiculous stigma, but of it hasn't got as much stigma to a lot of people as if you were to say I'm actually um, I want to be female yeah mm. it's, it's, I kind of think uh, you know certainly on the you know the, the stigma around mental health 
has really in the last few years broken down. You know how we were talking earlier about just about LGBT acceptance and Nick, you just alluded to obviously um, people who might be looking at um, transitioning from, from one sex to another and, and, and I get, you know, and there's a lot of prejudice and discrimination about that. But bracketing that off just for now, I think so is it the same that just as society has evolved to become much more open and accepting around sexual orientation, so luckily again on the mental health spectrum society has again become more open and accepting that long last people can openly talk about things yeah. you know we've been able to talk about maybe physical ailments we have or physical conditions we have without you know unless they happen to be more embarrassing ones we we feel we can talk about them mm. but when it comes to mental health and well-being very often there's been a lot of prejudice about that that somehow you're a bit flawed if you have depression or anxiety or, or or mood disorders and and now well, thankfully through you know through through lots of different people opening up celebrities talking about it you know there are so many different kind of people who've who've got lived experience themselves or have got um kind of friends who've had their own mental health and, and well-being kind of battles to deal with and i and i kind of think it's good that we can have conversations openly now as a society about things like mental health Mm. and about sexual orientation and i think it, this is to me pro this is the progress of society it gives me lots of reasons to be um hopeful mm. that we progress as a species we progress yeah. and we evolve and it does but but we but we only do that through reflecting and coming through and saying that was a really awful and crap time like yeah. it's looking at the pandemic that's happened in the last 12 months and then watching it's a sin on channel four and that brought up the prejudice and discrimination that the gay community faced in the 80s around the hiv pandemic i i don't know if you, i just broke down and wept at some of those episodes there. yes it was um i watched um uh it, probably about 10 years ago maybe more uh, a series an american series called angels in america yes have you seen it yes uh, and that was about the aids pan oh, pandemic um, which it's not the right. I don't know. It doesn't feel appropriate to that term somehow, hmm. um, because I think like in the light of us being in a pandemic, it almost belittles what actually happened. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean that fucking floored me. That did. So I was a hmm. little bit prepared for it to sin. Um, hmm. But. Yeah, I found it quite shocking. I found it quite upsetting. Mm. And um, I saw, and I, I, I know, I, I kind of, I could feel, I could put myself in those positions in some respects. Like with, um, like I always felt like my, uh, like my granddad was, he was desperately trying to make me a man, you know, and like, and he thought I was gay. And he was desperately trying to kind of change me. And it's like, so I could kind of get in there with it and understand a bit to a small extent. Um, but then I was also like, hold on, this was the 80s. Like, mm. all the pop stars, like, and I'm a big fan of 80s pop stars. Like, um, just a little thing there, I am. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I've um, I've read, uh, I really like, like the, um, like the, Blitz Club and that kind of thing, and uh, and I'm like, hold on, you're all listening 
to gay people making music mm. and yet everyone's really homophobic. Yeah. It's like, it's yeah. staring you in the face. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, you like it's, it's everything to like. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's ironic, isn't it? Yeah, but, it really yeah, is. But, but, it is. But you know what I was saying is, look, look how far we've come. Look, you know, look mm. how far we've come. And, and that, I think that when I have those moments, if ever I kind of get a bit down or a bit fed up, I just say, wait a minute, just have a bit of a longer view here. Yeah, yeah. Mm. There was, you... um, my degree was in philosophy, so I had to ask all those big questions like, ah, am I really it? here? Mm, is this really a it? pint of beer in front of me? Yeah. Um, actually, it was a Camparian soda, to be honest. Um, <laughs> there you uh, go. But, um, I like Campari. What I was going to say, there was, um, <laughs> there's this philosopher, Spinoza, and I think he was kicking around in, in Holland in the 1600s. He was... Uh, it's quite famous. Um, it was, I, I think he was, I think he was Jewish from the Jewish community, and he um, was very interested in kind of coming up with some principles. He, he was a rationalist philosopher. He wanted to get a big to understand this big picture. You know, what was God and humanity? And he said, we need to see things. He says in in Latin, he says subspecie eternitatis to see things under the auspices of eternity. When you stand back and see uh, things yeah, over yeah. a massive long period of time, then you kind of see, you can kind of take a step back and kind of, and to me, it's when you're able to take that step back and see how we've evolved as humans over these, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of years, look how far we've come. Mm. You know, look how far we've come and we've evolved. And yes, you know, we, we might look and go, oh, things are crap at the moment, but I think things are infinitely better, you know, each day. And I think, you know, it's, but it's that, that sense of progression it's that sense yeah. that we reflect we look back we understand what wasn't so good we understand and then we reflect and do you know what is the good stuff and we empathize we emphasize the good mm. we reflect on the negative because there's nothing worse than actually brushing the negative onto the carpet and pretending it's not there mm. you know a big part of mindfulness is um i say to people it's it's i always quote the words of the great irish philosopher Ronan Keating, <laughs> and he sang when he said, "Life is a roller coaster; you just got to ride it." Yep. And mindfulness is—I say, roll with it. <laughs> mindfulness with is it. that safety bar yeah. in the carriage on the yep. roller coaster that keeps you in the car yep. when it's on the up, when it's on the flat, and when it's on the down. That's it. It's not going to give you a nice smooth Ronan ride. Ronan Keating on this podcast, Ashley. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I won't have it. Listen, listen, but also just to just to quickly nudge in about how important the youth and and their development is. Whitney Houston did say, "I believe that children of the future." teach them well and let them lead the way right so do you know what i mean and it's and is and uh, as we are seeing the youth of today are embracing positivity around yeah. their their own social and sex, sexual choices yeah, and it's, it's fucking empowering it's lovely to see like it just it's is great you know and I I, I I my nephew i think for his christening some of my 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 sister's friends bought some lovely books and some of the character and there was this one particular book about a prince charming character who met his husband right yeah, yeah. Not oh, really? this, you know, this prince rather than this story of the pre you know and yeah. we're now we've now seeing that kids it's becoming more normal yeah, 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 yeah. actually you can meet people in same-sex relationships or it's perfectly valid yeah. that you know a man might be with a man or a man might have been married to a woman for a certain amount of years and then he might come to an understanding or a realization or his wife might that actually they are attracted to people of the same sex yeah and and amicably agree that actually they'll go separate ways and and have a relationship with some of the same sex you know or equally people might grow up 
in single parent households with just a gay mum or a gay dad or something yeah or what their parents might change their, their sex they might undergo kind of gender transition you know so and i kind of think these things are now we're kind of understanding that that's okay yeah we're breaking down those prejudices just as we're breaking down prejudice against kind of um mental health and well-being we're breaking down prejudice against kind of lgbt gender transition mm. and all of those kind of things and i think that gives me lots of reasons to be positive and yeah. to kind of say that this is really good but i think it's important to say you know we live in a very liberal western accepting society yeah, yeah. and you know and that isn't the same all over the world no and you know and there are places where the, it, things aren't so easy and accepting and i think we've got to i think recognize that we're uh, we're also lucky as to where we grow up mm. and our cultural points of reference here in the uk because by and large we live in a reasonably tolerant and accepting society. I'm not saying it hasn't got its problems. Yeah. We know there is still racism out there. We still know there's homophobia, anti-Semitism, all of those things, and they need addressing. But we do that bit by bit. We do that by by having those conversations and pushing and, and picking up. When someone yeah. says something that is homophobic or racist or anti-Semitic or ageist or sexist or whatever, we challenge that person. And we say, yeah. actually, have you... Yeah. have you heard yourself yeah what, where's funny. that coming from uh, is, yeah. is, did you, you mean to say that or is that you know but to have a conversation about it but we always have to be those people are quite agents to do to change. That, aren't they? yes I, I i tend to you know um if someone says like something sexist like i'll still hear people say bird from time to time and i'll go uh and they'll say something about their their bird and i'll say uh Oh, your your wife thinks that, <laughs> yeah. or or your partner thinks that, or um, a woman thinks that. <laughs> you know, so you don't need to necessarily go. Hold on, you're being sexist. You can just almost correct them without actually doing it, or just invite them. Just have a discussion. This is, you know, it's we can have conversations about stuff. It's okay to challenge someone and have a conversation and, and just ask them, did you realise that's how it came across? Because sometimes people might just, words sometimes can pour out of our mouths yeah. before yeah, God, because yeah. we have an automatic response to things yeah. because we don't realise. And I think this is to lead back, so I like to segue back and forth between mindfulness. One yeah, of the big yeah. things we do in the when you start a mindfulness is course is come off what we call autopilot and those yeah. automatic responses yeah. to yeah. consciously choosing how we respond to situations and people. And when you just have that brief moment, you can go rather than flying off the handle, rather than saying something that you might just have automatically said, yep. you can go, oh, wait a minute, is that appropriate? And yep. I think also, but to give people the benefit of the doubt, because look, we live in a world where, you know, we are way more accepting and we're improving and getting better, but language and everything evolves and how people want to be referred to mm. changes and evolves. And, you know, a lot of the work I'm doing in diversity and equity and inclusion I was talking earlier to a Bain colleague who was actually saying about some new terms to replace actually the term Bain. Yeah. Uh, and again, that would be another podcast another time. Yeah. And it's, but, and we go through that evolution, but it's to go through that sense of actually, I'm just, I'm a human being and I, I get things right, but equally I get things wrong. So yeah. I always say to people, please give me the benefit of the doubt because I genuinely, it tries to always come from a place of good intention yeah. And I also kind of think if you come from a place of good intention, if you get something wrong, you can just hold your hand up and go, my bad. I didn't mean it like that. I wasn't aware that that was the right way to say it. And mm. if you just hold your hand up and say it, boom, it's sorted. It's done. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think I, that's very often what happens. People try to get entrenched and defend their positions. Yeah. easy to go, yeah, yeah, actually, do you know what? I I'm think... always learning. Till the day I draw my final breath, I'm always I... going to be learning. That drives me and... mad when people do that. When... Well, you can it's drill like... down on someone and be, uh, and be, I don't know, an arsehole, for lack of a better word. I mean, there's yeah, no need. But... You can laugh. You, we can laugh things off together. Yes, and, and, and exactly. So, like... Um, yeah, it, it, I think it's 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 accepting. Like re- recently, I, I I did a bit of work uh, for the Home Office um, for a, uh, a, a online quiz, and mm. I was I was uh, all, all like all, you know um, I was what's the word? Uh, ah, we'll cut this bit. But you know when you're like um, oh god, COVID friendly. I'm trying to think of the terms. Like uh, it was all set in a safe space. Yeah, God's so sake. Anyway, let me COVID crack me on. No. <laughs> So uh, everything was sanitised. It was all fine. But basically, uh, we were we were um, doing this quiz from a club in Soho, and um, a uh, it was hosted by a drag queen for, uh, and it, it was I think it was in I can't remember what who who sponsored it, but whatever. I'll cut all the boring detail out of this after. <laughs> um, but basically, I was uh, the, the drag queen who turned up and then was on stage. I, I genuinely sort of forgot myself in terms of uh, pronouns, right? And and like, genuinely, first time in a long time, I was like, well, and I sort of went, he, her, hey, and he sort of went, darling, it's okay, you can call me her, not a problem. And I was like, cool, yeah, man, yeah, thanks yeah, a lot, yeah. that's great. But I, I literally just wanted with cool man as well. And I was just like, fucking <laughs> hell. I was like, come on, help me. And he just sort of laughed. No, it was no, a, exactly. a brummy as well. And, yeah, that, and like, she, she, you can be honest with right. yourself and say, oh, I'm sorry. God, but listen, wrong. we're people. Yeah, yeah. Conversation yeah, is everything. How do you want to be addressed? You know, you know what I mean? When we have our meetings at work, we, we, yeah, we introduce ourselves when we give our pronouns. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of think... It's sensible. That's yeah, quite... Yeah, it just says so you, who you are and how you identify. Yeah. People, and that's fine. And I just think, if you just... If you just like I was saying earlier on, I think it's just to come with a sense of you're meeting another human. And yeah. I think people are just brilliant. And all, the vast, vast majority of people on this planet are decent. They might, for one reason or another, get at, at points in time a bit fucked up by stuff like we all do. But I think the vast majority yeah. of people are are, are, are decent people. Yes. And I think we can tap in and have those communications and we can, by talking mm. and by being with one another and spending time with one another and coming with an open mind, mm. we can mutually help one another out to help improve society, have a better life, live a fulfilled life, and you know and everything you know is, is nicer and better i think when we go with a closed mind when we go oh, my way is the right way and your way is the wrong way yeah yeah, yeah straight away you're on a hiding to nothing because you're, you're you're getting people's backs up you're telling them they're wrong yep and you know there's this you may have heard of transaction analysis a famous book um, I'm okay. You're okay. I'm sitting right yeah. beside my li- my library of books here, which is why perfect for reference. Out, though I <laughs> see, my we used to have that in my house. All right. Yeah. I think my mum got it. Amazing. It's one of the classics. It's one of the classics of transaction analysis, and it's like nice. when you go in and say to someone, "I'm right, you're wrong," which is normal, like an adult to child mm. transaction. Yeah. Very often, the child will go and stick the middle yeah. finger up. Yes. Yeah. When you can have. Um, rather than a parent to child, but an adult to adult conversation, you come in with "I'm okay, you're okay," yeah, and that's a much better way. And that's where we want to be. We want to come and meet our other humans, as going "I'm okay, you're okay." That's yeah, a much so nicer basis for a conversation. I used to teach um, like assertiveness, mm. and assertiveness is essentially like I think this. What do you think? You think this? 
how do we find a middle ground? Like, it's yep. about negotiation. Um, right. I really loved the quote about uh, the long game and the, the bigger... You look at it over... Under uh, the auspices of eternity, Spinoza, yeah. 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 Um, oh, I, I can't believe. I've only just found out that you did philosophy. I really... That, <laughs> I'll <laughs> tell you that. Oh, the conversation <laughs> I used to have with Mark Hebel down the pub about uh, philosophy. I'm sure. Mark likes to talk, though. So, look. Uh, you have to you have to talk over him a little bit sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> but um, oh, I would love to get into like the French philosophies, philosophers, and mm. like existentialism. Oh, oh Sartre. yeah, I love Part all that two. stuff. <laughs> I really do. Oh, I can't no, just one point. It's a nice segue because I was actually talking to my mate earlier. He was telling me that I was being a right pretentious. Um, like, you know me, Nick. I don't swear. Oh, I do swear, but never, no, you don't. Never, yeah, I know. Never, I, know I do you, swear a lot. Last I, I got time, that. Last time you were like, oh, but my friend did say, Ashley, if you're going to start quoting Sartre, I might call you a pretentious wanker. Yeah, and I said, but my degree's in philosophy, therefore, it's there's no pretense about it at all. No, um, none. But Sartre actually talks a lot about authentic existence. Yeah, and the call yeah. to authenticity. Yeah. And that very often we become defined by our job. I'm defined by my job. I'm defined by the house I live in, the car I drive. Mm. And I think in this drive to have better mental health and well-being, actually, the call to authenticity is not where you live, mm. who you hang with, you know, what kind of house you got, the car you drive, or the job you have. Nice. It's who are you? Yeah. Have you got a sense of the decency, of integrity? What are your intentions? That's... And, you know, that's what, for me, I'm interested in people. Yeah. Um, and so I think that, that was just a nice little segue that I'll, I'll, I'll bring us back to the main main bit, which is, you know, that, that call to authenticity. Mm. Um, so if you're interested in that, read John Paul Sartre, Being a Nothingness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. I've, uh, yeah. I've dipped in and out of it. It's mm. um, a, a lot of that stuff's kind of, it's not always, it's... I read at bedtime, you see, and some of it's a bit he- like it's mm. it, you. It, it basically, be. you'll read a bit and then you've got to think about it, and then maybe you've got to read it again. Mm. Yes, like a lot of it's like that. Um, but I, I really like a lot of those, like Camus as well. Really yeah, I like find a lot of that stuff really interesting, and the Uber mention that kind of stuff. Oh yes, Nietzsche and, like, and yes. the death of God. Mm. Um, like I, I've just. A lot of it rings true with me. Yeah. Uh, and existentialism, I often think of myself as having, like, I'll say I've got existential angst. Like, I, <laughs> I've got that all day long. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so I love all that stuff, mate. Well, look, Ash, we, we've done an hour. Yes. Um, um, I would really like to get you back and do a philosophy one. Let's do it. I'm, I'm more than happy to come back. I'm more than happy to come back and do a philosophy one. Can we make the only thing I will say, Nick, actually, yeah. is that my, you know, I said my degree is in philosophy, but do you know what? A lot of, because I did a lot of those reading and asked myself those deep questions, actually, sometimes, to be honest, that didn't always leave me necessarily in the best state of mental health. Yeah, mm. I could, yeah. And that's my only thing. And it's not kind of like an occupational hazard of being a philosopher, but I think sometimes when you get into very deep thinking, in mindfulness, it can trigger off that very analytical bit right, yep. of our brain, which is not bad. But I think if you're a person who's prone 
to a lot of ruminative kind of repetitive thinking, mm. all I'd say is if you're going to take off, a, if you're going to look at philosophy, maybe just do it at lunchtime, read it for a bit, and then let yourself zone out. That's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah. about that. and, and what I will say is that um, that is what happened with me. Yeah. Um, mm. I, uh, you read some of these things, uh, and especially that genre, um, and it, it's basically kind of saying like nothing's worth it. And like you can, that's how I read it. And it's yeah. not actually, it's how Ashley, <laughs> how Ashley said it. <laughs> yeah. It's about being authentic and being true to yourself. Yes. But yeah, at that time, I was searching for something. Mm. I was looking for answers as, almost as to why am I so fucked up. And then sometimes you read these things and they're like, yeah, and yeah, they, they make you think more. So I remember going into uh, like therapy for like the third time and um, and I was like, yeah, I've read philosophy, mate. You can't tell me nothing. And it's like, you know, and exactly it wasn't that positive <laughs> a thing. Yeah, because we can over-intellectualise our yeah. own problems and actually right, very yeah. often that keeps the mind going round like the hamster on the wheel yeah, it keeps yeah, it, it spinning and spinning and spinning hmm. so um and that's why mindfulness is just so good actually getting yep. away from the brain and the analysis and just coming back to the body and uh, did you want to i know we're, we're up to time did you want to just do a very little brief practice a little yeah. mindfulness practice together yeah yeah or, yeah yeah i'm going to do good. a really basic one yeah. um that we use sometimes oh, when idea. teaching kids it's just feet, seat, and hands. Yep, yep. And it's just a really simple one. A great mindfulness teacher, Chris Cullen, got got a group of us doing on a CPD weekend. Let's do it. It's a really yeah. brief one, and it will only take two or three minutes. Brilliant. So, uh, first of all, whenever you're doing a mindfulness practice, and by the way, practice and whatever we use interchangeably with meditation. So, sitting as upright as you can with your your feet, your your knees, and your hips at right angles, and your back straight as you can. Mm-hmm maybe sitting just a bit forward at the back of the chair. And I've dropped the arms down on the side of my chair, so my, my arms are resting on my lap, my knees. And, and then if you feel you comfortable... You do um, TM. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you feel comfortable, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Yep. yep. And just become aware for a minute of the room that you're sat in. And then with the next in-breath, shifting the focus of the attention to the feet... And if it helps to bring the focus of the attention to the feet, it's just to wriggle your toes. Feel your feet in your, your shoes, your trainers, slippers, uh, or maybe they're just resting against the carpet or the floorboards. What's going on in the feet right now? Yeah, my feet feel wet. I always feel wet. Just exploring with a sense of openness and curiosity. <laughs> Sorry. And if the mind wanders, that's perfectly fine and cool. That's what a mind does. Just gently bringing the mind back to the feet. And then with the next in-breath, shifting the focus of the attention to the part of the body in contact with the seat. So the pelvis, the backs of the legs, the buttocks, the thighs, wherever is in contact with the seat right now, seeing what's going on in this part of the body. part in contact with the seat whether that be the backs of the legs or the lower back what are the sensations arising in this part of the body again exploring with a sense of curiosity and openness and if the mind wanders 
I say absolutely fine. It's only doing what a mind does. Just bringing back the focus, the attention here and now to the part of the body in contact with the seat. And then moving to the final part of the body, the hands. So with the next in-breath, shifting the focus of attention to the hands. And if your hands are like mine on the knees, maybe just tapping your, your fingers on the knees to bring the focus, the attention to this bit of the body. See what's going on here. Becoming aware of any sensations. But equally, if there's no particular sensations, that's cool too. Not wanting things to happen, but just accepting however they are here and now. And again, if the mind wanders, then gently bringing the mind back to the focus of the attention here and now on the hands, seeing what sensations are arising here. And then gradually as we come to the end of this practice, opening the eyes and coming back to full awareness of the room that we're in right now. I love stuff like this. <laughs> yeah. I How was that? Well, I was, we always do a little <laughs> bit of inquiry with people when we're doing what was going on for you when we were doing that little that, that wander around three different parts of the body. I do feel, I do feel like quite relaxed actually. I felt an elation of happiness just then. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I did. Genuinely. And there was a bit of me thinking, <laughs> yeah. How cool is this? Yeah. I was I, I, just doing this on a podcast. This is brilliant. Yeah. What, what, what drew me just then actually when we got to, when we got, to sort of my bum on the chair sort of situation, I sort of felt I'd stopped moving as much. I, I, yeah. I was, but I, I, it was like a concentration, and my mind sort of switched back to it. And when I got to my hands, I was really keen to move them, and then again I stopped, and then I felt really happy yeah, after, yeah. actually. There was a little bit of mind wandering, but you were able to bring it back. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no. That's I felt, what I, that's I, what did, I liked. Yeah. Um, it's good. Like, it, it, in transcendental meditation, it's like you... Uh, Except that your mind will wander. Will wander, right? It will yeah. wander, and like when I've had hypnotherapy, like hypnotherapy is not a million miles away from that. It's like bringing you in, focusing that, on the on you, yeah. Yeah, focusing on small things that bring your mind in and calms your mind. And, yeah, um, it's interesting. Yeah, the fact that you're going, it's okay if you do that. I think a lot of people when they start doing meditation, um, and I was one of these people. I was really put off because I'm like. Now my mind's going over there, and it's going over there, and it's going over there. And, then and that's someone, completely normal. That's completely yeah, exactly. okay. And if yeah. someone's there saying, no, that's all right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you go, oh, okay, that's all right. Yeah. yeah. That's massively, yeah. that was massively and, and, helpful. And what we were doing in that practice that was, was just cool. actually focusing the attention. Yeah. Yeah. And we were just gathering it, but moving it to just three different parts of the body. And yeah. the reason I chose to do that and thought it'd be good for us to end on it, because we were talking, you know, we, mm. the conversation ended towards philosophy and that very analytical bit. Yeah. Actually, a big part of mindfulness is moving away from how much we live up here yeah. and yeah. returning to our bodies. And just by yeah. doing a simple practice like that, what was that, two or three minutes? Yeah. yeah. Um, just simple way of us re-engaging with our bodies, sensing what's going on and stopping all the whoosh, 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 yeah. what goes on in our mind. Yeah, And when you practice that every day, just those simple little practices that you can do through mindfulness on apps like Headspace or going to a mindfulness course, you know, you can learn those new techniques to help gather and focus and bring the mind together. Mm. And that, if you like, is your little, um, it's your place of refuge you can create for yourself in, in a mad and frantic world. 
Yeah. So that's why I thought I'd end on I'd end on that to Perfect. share the yeah, uh, well, really share the mindfulness of love. That's amazing. That's really really. Our listeners are going to do yeah, it. it. Well, when, 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 but when like, I just think so like good. if you're listening to this, you can well, just yeah. do what we did then. Well, and yeah, like, like, I'll tell you now, like I feel, I feel really nice now. I, ge- I genuinely, yeah, could, I genuinely couldn't stop my smile. Then, genuinely, and that's really lovely. And sometimes you yeah. can do a mindfulness practice, and you'll come out and just think, "What was the point in that?" Yeah, and that's, a, and that's okay too. The most important thing is that you come back to it and do it regularly. Yeah, yeah. and you'll yeah. have good experiences and less good experiences, and that's all okay. It Remember, is, we're yeah. moving away from that judgmental mind. Yeah, but yeah. very often, what people will get is a sense of kind of gradually over time a better sense of contentment or being okay. Mm-hmm. And that sense of just actually there are techniques and things that we can learn to help gather the mind and to calm it and to focus it on other bits, normally the body or the breath. Mm-hmm. And they're really, really straightforward. Mm. Yeah. It takes it's time and effort. Goodness. Like going to the gym. I always say to my students when I'm teaching mindfulness, it's a bit like going to the gym. If you want to build your biceps, you've got to lift the weights yeah. and it will tear the muscle fibers and build that. And at one point, you'll, at some point, hopefully I might have the body of an Adonis. Um, or maybe just get myself an Adonis. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's a bit like that with mindfulness. Just as we go to the gym and lift the weight, so we do that with our mind, we keep bringing it back, mm. and we build mental muscle. Mm. Guys, it's been lovely. Thank you, Ashley. Back. Ashley, it's absolute it's pleasure. Nuts. Thank you so much. Um, come back next season, yeah? Come Regular slot. Let's do it. Absolutely, absolutely. It'll be really good. So I look forward to I look forward to seeing it when it goes up. It's been great work you know. with you guys again. Big love to both of you and all the brilliant work you do. It's so appreciated. I think men's mental health is so so important. So I wish you all the best, and to all the uh, and to all the uh, the listeners out there too. Thank you for having me along. Brilliant. Um, Thank so you so much, Ashley. Me, so happy. I'm happy to know you. Thank you so Likewise. much. Likewise. Cheers, guys. Have a good Cheers. rest of your evening. See bye, you mate. soon. Cheers. Bye. 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 Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.